Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Can you still be fulfilled at 40? Without the partner, without the children, the career, or the beautiful home, all in the picture. Failure at 40 interviews, debates, and discusses the reality of turning 40. 40 for me, I truly believe that my life is beginning right now. Failure at 40. And that's what it was. It was always looking for somebody that I could feel as though I could get on with when really and truly the person I needed to get on with was myself. Failure at 40. Failure at 40 challenges the notion of failure and redefines what success looks like to you. Who says if you haven't reached all of your goals by 40 that you are not a success? Failure at 40 interviews, debates and discusses the reality of turning 40 in modern Britain. Welcome to Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Hi guys and welcome back to Failure at 40. I'm Ali the producer and I'm Shelley the life coach. Today we're speaking to NSJ. NSJ is 40, she has a 24 year old daughter, she lives in South East London and is a teacher, trainer and a love guru. Welcome to the podcast NSJ, thanks for joining us today. Ah, thank you for having me, thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I'm NSJ. I am from South East London, Lewisham. Big up my end, sorry. Um, yeah, South East London, Lewisham. Uh, I have a 23, soon to be 24-year-old daughter and a two-year-old granddaughter. They are my life. I'm going to be quite honest. So everything I do is very much surrounded around my daughter and my granddaughter or any decisions that I make, they're very much surrounded around them. Can I just say you look far from a grandma. You, <laughs> I, I, I Thank can't you. be a grandmother. I so agree. That's Thank so you. Agree. But then what does a grandma look like nowadays? Do, do, right. I mean, what do they look like nowadays? Mm, yeah. they're, they're all sure. glamorous, aren't they? I, I use the term um, Grammy. Glam. No, no, no. We're not having, we're not having glamour. It's too common. Um, so I've gone for the term Grammy, it's like an award. Yeah, when I when I was when I found out I was going to be a grandmother, <laughs> I was the sweet young age of thirty seven, and I thought, oh, no way, no way, am I going to be called Granny, Nanny, or anything like that? So I thought, well, you have to reach a a certain level in your life before you become you can become a grandparent. So Grammy awards. I thought, I'm going to be a Grammy. Um, I'm, I'm Grammy in my mind, in my grandchild's mind. My name is Yo, so she calls me Yo. Um, uh, I said to my daughter the other day, we've got to get uh, away from that, because I looked after her. She was like, Yo, Yo, Yo. I said, no, no, now you're taking it too far. Where yeah? did I come from? <laughs> you know what? Do you know what? It's actually my own fault, because uh, when I used to phone her when she was younger, probably about 13, 14 months, she's now two and a half. When her when she would answer the phone on FaceTime, I'd be like, yo, 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 yo. <laughs> oh. she associated yo with that song. I mean, I, I mean, she, she decided that that's what she was gonna call me. She was naming us all one day and she got to me and she went, yo. And I was like, great, that's my uh, name. So uh, I, I've taken it and, Im- and I embrace it. I, I I embrace it, but like I said, she's nearly free now. You just seem rude. Yeah, I don't want to be called you. It just seems rude. <laughs> <laughs> it? So, you know, you're like slowly but surely when she's referring to me now, I'm saying to her Grammy so that she can kind of pick up that that's my name, <laughs> please. Um, but yeah, she's she's my, um, you know, she's just that, you know, that little, that that extra extension of me. Oh, she, she, she taught me unconditional love. So that's where we're going to love Guru a little bit later. <laughs> so, so where are your family from initially and what's your family dynamic look like in terms of mum, dad, siblings? Okay, so my family originally, grandparents on both sides, mum and dad are from Jamaica. Mum and dad, mum and dad not together. However, mum and dad do get on and they do speak when they need to in regards to us, as, even though we're grown. I've got a, a, a brother 10 years younger than me. Is it just the two of you? There's more than two of us. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's more than two of us via dad. But for my mum, there's just two of us. 
But yeah, there's 10 years in between me and my brother. So yeah, they'll talk, they, they, they get on if they need to for us. Um, and I suppose that's nice. That's nice for me to even witness as a 40-year-old woman um, that my mum and dad can be amicable um, and that they, they, you know, they can get on and they can have decent conversations regarding me or my brother as or when they need to. And that's helped to kind of like shape me as an adult. And were they the significant people in your lives? I mean, who are the people when you think of who made impacts on you? Who, my, who nanny, my nanny, my mom, nanny. Mum or dad? Mom my mum's, on my mum's side, um, I wasn't as close on my dad's side. Um a little bit more of a black sheep over there. But, you know, it happens. It happens and it's fine. I still embraced it. I still lost my grandparents on my dad's side. What's black sheep? What was the black sheep? And how does that look to you? Black sheep to me looks like I can't come into your house and just pour a drink. Like, I could, you know, I could go to my, on my mum's side. I, it was my nanny. My nanny was my, um, my nanny passed away um, this year in January. And, um, for me, I feel blessed to have had my nan for 40 years of my life. And I believe that when you, when you are raised, um, she didn't raise me. I didn't live in the house with her, but I went to my grandmother's every Sunday without foul. You know, you go and get your Sunday dinner. Dinner was always cooked before she went to church. And she had a very strict routine in terms of what she did. So for me, my grandmother was what I role modeled myself off of. Um, even more so than my mother um and it wasn't that wasn't anything to do with you know how my mother brought me up it was that I was always very interested in what my grandmother had to say um because she was wise and she'd already been there and she'd done that and believe I could talk to my nan my grandmother about I'm talking about anything yeah um things that normal people would be like, oh my God, you talk to your nan about that? Yes, I do. Who else am I going to talk to? She's been there. She's done it. She's just going to give it to me straight up. And that's how my grandmother was. She was a very straight talking woman. And once she'd spoken, that was it. So there was no more, there was no more questioning. It was like, I've spoken, come out of my face. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> and I, and I love yes. that. And I loved that about her. So, a matriarch, a real strong a, matriarch. A real matriarch. So, you know, I've taken many, many qualities and elements of my grandmother, but I've put it into the 2020 version. That's what I'd like to say. Um, I will say what I'd say, but I, my grand never had no kind of regard for anyone's feelings. Yeah. She would just say what she had to say. She didn't care who she upset, but with me, I will still say what I need to say, but I'll take my time before I say it. I'll think about it, you know? A little bit like a man, you know? Men are more, like, logical. So I'll come with more of the logical approach to it. Uh, deliver it, but deliver it in a way that I'm not trying to offend you. This is just what I've seen, and I don't like it. But you're, but you're also still quite quite young in terms of yeah. grandmother. And I kind of feel like with a lot of our elders, they get mm-hmm. to an age where they're like, I don't have to answer to anybody. So yes. I will say what I'm saying. I've, I've yes. got wisdom that I can yes. say what I need to say. And I mean, you have to kind of respect that. Sometimes I feel they can hurt people's feelings, right? Mm, they can. <laughs> they, they can, can. hurt feelings. My feelings on many occasions, and she didn't business neither. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> Don't care if you're hurt, Tasha. This is what it is, okay? So that that's how it was for me. And I just had to kind of, yeah, I just dealt with it. I dealt with it because I knew that it was always done with love. And that's the difference. Yeah, it wasn't done with spite. It was done with love. Um, and yeah, as they do get older, and I mean, even for myself now, as a 40-year-old woman, the way that I don't care about literally anything, I see it as, and every, and I tell everybody that I can, I'm 40, I don't care, okay? I'm a big woman now, and that's what it is. It's like I've got to 40, and all of a sudden it's like, I'm a big woman. I've, I've arrived. You can't chat to me. <laughs> and that's how, and that's how and that's the kind of approach. So I can see why my grandmother was the way that she was, because um she was a big woman. Don't talk to me. So yeah, I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm that newly big woman status. And take it. Run with it. Before you take us to 40, if we could go back to your childhood, you've talked about how much your grandmother influenced you and your perspective on the world, did that influence what you saw for your own future? Um, were you heavily influenced by her view of the world and, 
and therefore what your your life at 40 might be like yes do you know what in terms of do you know what I was thinking about this the other day um you know like sometimes when we're younger and we have this vision of what we want when we're 40 um I think I'm the opposite to the average person I didn't envision the the house the car, the husband. I didn't even know what I wanted to do career-wise. I knew that I wanted to be, I mean, people say, what do you want to be? And I used to be, I want to be a social worker. Um, I'm a teacher and in some respects, it's like being a little bit like a social worker mm, because of absolutely. all the different aspects, yeah, that you that you do have to deal with. I deal with so many different aspects. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely much more than a teacher. Uh, the one thing that I would say when I was growing up is I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to get married. Um, so when you're saying was it influenced, the relationships that I witnessed around me within my childhood just made me think, my goodness, no, I don't want to do all of that. Like, I just don't want to get married. I just, I saw marriages, I don't know, so, not, I'm not going to say that you was trapped in it, but one thing my nan said to me is that if you're going to marry somebody, make sure you love them and they love you. And she always said that that was a major, major part of it, that you don't marry until you're certain that you love this person and they love you back. And I just remember thinking, but I don't even know what love is. So because I didn't know what love is, it kind of like distorted my vision for the future. Um, right. Was your grandmarried? My grand was married to my granddad. Um, <laughs> and so it was kind of like, but, you know, they have their own story in terms of, you know, my nan wasn't somebody that demonstrated love. Um, like she would do the action. No, that, that's wrong. Her action showed you that she loved you. She wouldn't necessarily say, I love right. you. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was just something that, you know, I think she had a love or my granddad, would I say she was in love with my granddad? No. And that's where one of the, and that was a big thing that she always put into me. So that kind of like put me back in. I haven't come from a family that sort of like bought houses. My nan has her own reason why she didn't want to buy a house. So I was like, well, buying a house isn't a big thing then. I don't, I don't see why it should be a big thing. So I didn't have that. I want all of these things by the time I am 40. I, I, I'm more of a like, I'm just going to flow and see what happens um, and that's what I did and here I am I've ended up here and I think I've had a really beautiful journey up until 40 I'm looking forward to the 40s I'm really looking forward to them I think that my life is going to start now all up until now has been a learning process for me I wanted to ask you just a little bit about something you said just now which was that you didn't know what love looked like um, and I mean there's lots of different facets to love and are you talking about a particular in Aspect a relationship. Of love. Okay. Yeah, this I, is what I was I wondering. Believe, yeah, I believe that it was in a relationship. I mean, as we go into our, our when we're in our teens and we're in our twenties and even in our thirties, um, I don't know, I think sometimes we can search for love and we don't realise that the love actually comes from within ourselves. So we search for it whether it be through our friends, whether it be through our partners, whether it be through work colleagues, just saying you're doing really well at that, whatever the case may be, I think that in some cases we search for love in the wrong places. Um, and I was looking for them within relationships, not realising that I'm not going to get love within a relationship until I'm able to love myself. What was your ear earliest memory of uh, intimate love or any love really? Because obviously you've got parents, you know, you've got family. What's your earliest memory of that? Do you know what? My dad would be the person that I would say, you know, he always demonstrated love in terms of he was very, my dad always hugged me and kissed me on top of my forehead. And for me, that was love. Yeah, that was, you know, my dad's quite big. He's like a teddy bear for me. So he'd literally hug me and kiss me on the top of my head. And for me, it was like... Oh, love to me is going to be finding a man that can hug me like my father. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yes, I mean? Yes. Like, that's, that that's embrace. What it was. You know what I mean? You need to hug me in the same way 
that my dad hugs me and I'm now going to know that you love me if you can hug me like my daddy. (laughs) 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 So that's what it was. So not that I'm searching for my dad within men. No, no, thank you. Um, But in terms of that affection that my dad showed me, 100% for me, that was love. That was love. Um, my mum, my mum again was a little bit probably more like my nan. So we got hugged, both me and my brother and my daughter, evidently, to when we were seven. And then she'd be like, "No, go on, you're big now, bye." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you're big again, now, bye. You know, you're big now, bye. Um, and but very much so. Again, like my grandmother, my mum demonstrated love in a different way. My mum demonstrates love through action. She doesn't demonstrate it through words. I would say it's only been of recent that my mum started using the words, I love you. I'm like, oh, hello, mum. Wow, where did that come from? But, you know, it takes time. It takes time. And, you know, my mum probably had her own journey with love um, and how she demonstrated it. And being with my nan who evidently had four my nan had four children under the age of five at one point so could you imagine her trying to show all of them love it was you know she was stressed she was stressed so you know it was beatings and food that's what you got that was your life (laughs) basic survival basic survival you do something you get a beating you're hungry you get food And, 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 and that was it but she, but she loved them she loved them no one could talk to them no one for all of us you know she loved us but trust me that was the way she showed love and I just respected her for the way that she showed love um, and as I said for me it then taught me that you know now I've got to show love in a different way um, the way that I was taught to demonstrate love was not necessarily I'm not going to say it was the wrong way because it was their way um, however me now being ad, like a, a grown woman, I want to demonstrate love in a different way. I don't see love to be what it was when I, when I was being raised. I don't see it as that. I see it as much more than that. So, yeah, that's me. That's my journey. If success didn't look like owning your own house, having a loving husband at home, what, what did success look like to you back then? Do you know, so having my daughter at 16... Um, I was actually pregnant at school. So I remember going into, oh, well, firstly, I remember hiding it from my mum for about the first three months. Um, but then I remember going to school and um, telling my head of year that I was pregnant. And um, she wrote me a letter, which meant I could go to the toilet whenever I wanted. So you know I abused that to the team. Like, <laughs> <laughs> at the shops. You know, at, at the, the shop. <laughs> I was everywhere, mate, but in my lesson. <laughs> yeah, every minute. I had, this was from head of year. You can't chat to the head of year. She said, I can go to it whenever I want. I abused it. Um, anyway, she sat down before she wrote this letter. She said to me, well, that was a really stupid thing to do. So I, I looked at her and I was like, what do you mean? She said, well, that's it now. You're just going to be a mum for the rest of your life. You haven't even started your career. You haven't, you know, you're not going to go to college. You're not going to get a good job. Um, all you're going to do now is literally be a housewife and have babies. And I looked at this woman and in my head, I was like, hell no. But. What it gives somebody me. the right to tell that to somebody else's child? Oh, I mean, this is, I mean, this is where it comes from. I mean, this was one of the reasons maybe why I ended up being a teacher, because that was really, what kind of advice is that that you're giving to a 16-year-old that I'm already feeling quite emotional exactly. about? Exactly. I'm pregnant, so I feel emotional. Not emotional about the fact that I was having my daughter because I do not, I believe that you can have, as long as your mindset is ready and my mindset was ready to have my child. There was nothing that even come into my mind that thought I was not going to have my child. I didn't care that I was 16. Um, I cared that my mum was going to beat me, but I didn't care that, you know, I was 16 and pregnant. I didn't care. So when she said this, I just thought, no way, that's not what I'm going to do. However, did I know what I was going to do? Probably not. I, so I took it on board of what she was said. I'm just going to be at home and I'm going to be at mum. But little did she know, by the time I was 17, I went to college. So I went to college a year after my peers. 
Um, and it just wasn't for me. Success didn't look like college at 17. Um, I was all, I had a baby that was almost one. So they were a lot more, they were just mature. They were just like, do you want to be my girlfriend? Do I look like I want to be a girlfriend? I've just had a baby. No. Okay. So it was very much to me, it was very immature. Um, it wasn't for me. I don't think I knew what success looked like after about, until about, after about 30 random jobs. And my, one of my best friends, she passed away. Um, now, with her, what happens was, when we was probably about 11, she gave me a whole life story. She said to me, right, so I'm going to do my GCSEs. I'm going to do my A-levels. I'm going to get a degree. No, yeah, I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to have a baby. And she just stopped. She ended. And I was like, what, what are you going to do after that? What job are you going to do? She said, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Anyway, she got all of those things and literally passed away two months after she finished her degree and it made me realize that was what success looked like to her she didn't need to go no further than that so she just saw up until where she was going to go to um so at 24 between tw- no 24 to 26 I was depressed um but the depression led to enlightenment and the enlightenment is what started the journey that I'm on now in terms of being a teacher. So for me, measuring success is a little bit different because everything, even becoming a teacher, it wasn't something that I planned. It was just, I started at a college as a childcare assessor and my manager said, no, actually I want you to go to and go and do teaching and he paid for my teaching qualification. So it wasn't necessarily a plan that I was going to be a teacher. I didn't look at anything to do with success and even to this day I don't look at success I just look at the journey I'm like all right I want to go in that way let me go and see what's happening over there so success to me is measured when I get to a place and I think oh this is really nice over here yeah I like it do you feel like you're just do you feel like you're just walking in your purpose rather rather than having to I mean sometimes they say happiness is a journey success is almost a journey doesn't have to be an arrival destination yeah no way I don't I mean we some people can become so so or get so caught up in what success looks like to them that they forget to live life and they forget to enjoy life and then they get to a certain age and they're like okay let's just say for example I'm 40 I've got no man I ain't got no kids all right then I might have this job but what have I been doing for these past 40 years do you see and for me I look at it like I don't live my life like that I live my life from one moment to another I don't I might have a plan that I'm going to do A and end up doing B and B works out much better for me. So I I don't necessarily, I don't plan too much. I just go with the flow and wherever life floats, like takes me, I'm happy to go there. I want to ask you another question I was just thinking about while you were talking, just about since you've had little one, it feels to me like you've always kind of just skirted outside of the box of what's expected, what the pressures are, and kind of just always been playing to your own beat, your own drum beat. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I, I guess in a way that's a powerful place to be, you know, because you are, you are living life by your own terms, on your own yeah. terms, yeah, rather 100%. than actually, I need to go to uni. I can't no. have a baby at X amount of time. I have to have this. I can't, I can't let anybody know that I'm suffering from depression because I might no. not be able to. Do you understand what mm. I mean? It sounds yeah. like to me it stood you in really good stead in terms yeah. of being able to walk your journey without having to be overly successful other than in your own own world by your own yeah. right. And that's it. And I think for me, that's where I've achieved the greatest success. Yeah. Um, I've achieved the greatest success by not having a firm life plan and just allowing life to take me where I need to go. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had to have certain elements of plans. I was a mother, so I couldn't, I had to go to work. I had to make sure that there was food on the table. I had to make sure that there was always a roof over our heads. Um, And I always made sure that I had jobs that would provide for that. Um, However, in terms of yeah, success. No, I never, I never ever looked at it and thought, I, I, I need to achieve this to be successful. 
yeah or if I have this this means that I'm successful uh no I'm successful in my own right you're quite right Shelley I'm successful in my own right by living my life in my own way and by not I mean my dad told me when I was uh, probably about five like don't let anybody dictate to you what you can do what you can't do and whatever you feel as though you want to go for go and do it and that's what I've done that is literally what I've done so I don't get bogged down or you know, if I, I've worked in workplaces where managers have tried to dictate to me and I'm like, oh, hello, do you know I'm actually better than this? If I leave here, I'm going to actually do 10 times better than this. Don't measure me by what you see. Yeah, I'm actually a lot better. Than, and that, I believe in myself and that's it. I don't need, it's not that I don't need any, no, I don't actually, I don't need anyone to believe in me because I know I'm going to achieve and, and that's it. So have you never felt the pressure from society? Have you never felt no. that you have to look a certain way or be living a certain way or live a certain no, way in order to be? I haven't. What about life has made you build this resilience? What challenges have come to you and afforded you to develop some of this resilience that you've got? I believe that I'm very much my own person. Um, so I've never followed the crowds. I've always been like this from school. I've never followed the crowds. I've always made up my own mind and decided to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, I think that a lot of my resilience um, would possibly come for, I've had challenges. I'm not going to say that it was easy. Um, as I mentioned before, I, I, I suffered from depression for two years and I went through this depression not telling anybody about it because at the time I didn't even realize I was depressed. Um, and we are talking about, it was severe depression. It was, I'd get up, take my daughter to school, come back, go to bed, um, get up at 10 past three, pick her up, come back, cook dinner, go in the bath, go back to bed. And that's how my life was for two whole years. Um, but deep within me, there was still that strength. I knew that I wasn't going to be in this place forever um, I also knew that I was transitioning and I think that that's one of the big and the major roles that sometimes when we're coming from one stage of our life to another um, that we get so caught up in terms of how we're going to get there and as when you say like was I ever under the pressure of how I should look or how I should be no I, I am who I am I dress who I, how I want I've always been eccentric I've never followed the crowd I'm not buying that car because everybody's get got it I'm not wearing those trainers because everyone's got it I do what I want to do I am me um and but because I've been like that from a child, it's been very much like I would, I've known my mum was going to beat me, you know, but I'd still do it. It was very much that kind of, I was very defiant from, uh, from a young child. And it was weird because at the same time, I wasn't allowed to do much with my mother um, in terms of she locked me up like a Cheshire cat. Uh, however, when there was something that I wanted to do, I'd, be, I'd just be defiant and be like, I'm not, I'm not doing it, mum. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm going to take that beating. I don't care. Um, so I think that I've always been that. Like, you know, like we say children are very resilient. I've never lost my resilience. That's what it is. I bounce back. Anything that I, that I go for, I just bounce back. I'm like, yeah, right, I'm back. Back on track. Let's go. What have I got to do now? So for me, it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. I've always been that way. And anyone that knows me well enough knows, that, oh, that's just Tasha. She's just a, she, she might be down for a moment, but she'll be up and she'll be gone again and she'll be, yeah, she's back. She's back. And, and I, and I, and I will, and when I'm coming back, I can guarantee you I'm coming back bigger and better each and every time. And it's not to prove anything to anyone but myself. What were your support networks like when you were coming up and, you know, kind of up and down, depending on what's happening in your life, what were your support networks like? Who was there for you in those times? Definitely my mum and my nan. Um, my mum and my nan were definitely the two most strongest people. And my dad, and my dad as well. I could go to my dad, but my mum, my nan, and I've got a cousin, um, my, my, fav- my favourite cousin, Gemma. Um, and between those three, we all kind of like supported each other if we ever had anything that was going on. Uh, but my nan lived literally, my nan lives a five minute walk from my house. So she was always the first point of call. And any time I dropped and you went there, she'd just have those right words to just lift you back up. So it, was just, it would just be like, you know, my, my take, my viewpoint on death 
Um, a lot of people just don't understand it. But when you've been raised by a grandmother who had lost so many people, um, she made me look at death in a completely different way. So my resilience to, towards death is something that a lot of people will come towards me for healing for. Um, sometimes I can be a little bit harsh on it um, because it is very much like, you know, come on, we're here to live. We need to live our lives. Let's not get caught up in what society expects of us. Um, and let's live our lives in the best possible way, regardless of whether another sees it as right or wrong. It's not about what's right. Because what might be right for me might be wrong for somebody else. Um, it doesn't make it doesn't make me or them right or wrong. It's just that that's my way and that one that way is yours. So it can become a little bit. I don't know. I, I tend to take myself away from people if I feel as though they're always telling me I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Because I'm like, well, we're not going to get on because I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you say. If I feel as though this is what my soul is calling me to do, then I'm going to go and do it. Um, so it's always been like that for me. It's been very much like that for me. I'm, I'm, how, how can I put it, Shelley? I'm a free spirit. I'm a free spirit. I'm not someone that likes to be boxed into a corner. I like to feel as though I'm free to make my own decisions and choices. Um, and yeah, that's just how it's been for me. Failure at 40. Failure at 40. So in Australia, I wanted to go back to some of the love guru conversation, which I'm uh, very interested in talking more about um, the love guru side of things and, and where some of that, that chapter started. So I wanted just to revisit your connection with your daughter's father. Yeah. Um, oh. And how, how that connection came out. Because obviously you've spoken about kind of the lack of love in a certain way. And so kind of I'm, I'm thinking about young relationships, young love, you know, looking for love elsewhere. You know, if it's not coming in the package that you might be looking for. Tell me if that's the case or not, or just how that kind of transitioned. Um. My daughter's father, I've known him since I was 12 years old. Um, you know, when you're young, it's that puppy love, isn't it? It's that, that kind of, yeah, it's just the puppy love, I believe. Um, I'm quite lucky in terms of, I'm actually, when I look back now, I'm actually probably happy that I had a child with my daughter's dad um, because we produced a spiritual daughter um, together. I mean, we didn't realise at the time because we were both so young, um, but together we produced a spiritual daughter um, and that was probably the beginning of love. Would I say that I loved him? I think I was too young to know um, because I didn't necessarily love myself. Uh, I, would I say I've got a love for him? Yes, he's the, he's the father of my child. Uh, I would never want anything bad to happen to him, but I don't think that I could actually say that I was in love with my daughter's father. I was only 16. And why do you not think you loved yourself? Why, why do you say that? I don't think I was taught to love myself. I don't think I was taught the importance of loving myself. I mean, I've came from, okay, I'll give you a little bit about my family dynamics now. Um, so I came from a family in which... I'm the oldest, as I said, and my brother's the youngest. So there's 10 years in between us and four children in between. Um, and, you know, watching the relationship between my mother and father sort of like impacted on how I saw a relationship to be um, growing up. So to me, I saw relationships and it wasn't just, it wasn't just with my mother and father. It was just my, within my peer group. Everybody seemed to have parents that were arguing and fussing and fighting. And there was more than one woman. And it was just, it just, for me, that is what a family dynamic looks like. I didn't go into any of my friends' households at that time and see any kind of parents that were married. There was just no married parents. Everybody was just, my dad comes every now and then, or, you know what I mean? Or my mum's got a new boyfriend or... So that is what my kind of idea of what a relationship looked like um, and how I saw a relationship to be. Now, to me then, you then go and look for love within another person. So instead of me thinking to myself, you know, do I love myself? I wasn't loving myself. I was just looking for love. Probably, I'm going to say within the wrong people because anyone that comes into your life, they come and they give you an experience. Um, but the closer that I, that I got to understanding what unconditional love was, 
the more I was able to release people that it was like, do you know what? You don't love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, how am I going to be able to love myself? Because it's not just about me loving myself. It's about the man being able to love their self as well. Do you see what I mean? And the man being able to have a certain level of self-love. So I found that growing up, I was attracting men that they didn't love their self and I didn't love myself. So that is just a, you come into a relationship, it's just like, boom, it's a dynamic. It's just like an explosion. What's interesting is that kind of the development of love for self, your love of yourself was defined through what you saw and how your parents loved each other or not, right? Which is because, I mean, what I would have thought is that they were probably still pouring love into you. But even though you were getting that love from them, you were kind of defining your love for yourself by how they acted with each other. Is that right or not? Sir? Yeah, no, I think that, that I think that you're 100 percent right there. Um, I think that for me, loving yourself is having a healthy level of respect for yourself. So a healthy level of respect for yourself would mean to me that you're not going to be with somebody that may cheat on you. Um, and it doesn't mean, I mean, cheating, men can love you, you know, and still cheat on you. Like, let's never get that twisted. I get that. Um, but when it's the one-off and it's an odd one-off here and there, that's different. When it's continuous, you now have to look at yourself as a, as a woman or as a man, because let's be honest, women cheat too. Okay. And just be like, am I respecting myself in this, in this situation? Like, do I love, do I really love myself or do I have to stay with someone that is continuously cheating on me? And like, and like you said, quite often they don't love themselves. If they don't love themselves, they're going to be able, unable to share and provide you with that love also. I mean, I think what a lot of people fail to understand is that our childhood has a massive impact on us when we grow up. Um, a lot of what we see, we are shaped as children. Um, and we go into our teens sort of like reenacting what we saw in our younger years, going to our 20s, reenacting what we, what we saw within our teens. And then it's only, I think when I got to my 30s, that's when I was like, no, how many times am I going to actually keep on going around and around in the same kind of cycle before I actually stop and think to myself like, no, something's not right here. Something's not right. And what I realised is that I was trying to almost imitate my mum and dad's relationship, but without all the children. <laughs> and, and that's where it was. I just had my one daughter. So I wasn't trying to imitate it in terms of all the children, but I was attracting men that were very similar to my dad. So would you say that's the, the reason why you're not married now? Yes, it could be. It could be. Um, however, but this is the reason why my whole viewpoint has changed on marriage now. Um, because it wasn't until I sat and I spoke to my dad. And I, I, let me give it to my mum and dad. My dad was 18 when he had me, you know. He was a young man. Yeah, so... How old was his mum? How old was mum? My mum was 20 and my dad was 18. So... So both of them, fairly young. They were very yeah. young. They were young. They were children. They were literally children having children. Like, when I, when I think about it, all right, then, yes, I did have my daughter at 16, but they were still very young. They were still growing up. So I don't, I don't cast no blame on my parents um, because they were literally growing up while raising me. I mean, my dad had six kids by the time he was 28. That is a lot of children for a young man. In 10 you know? years. In 10 years' yeah, time. Yeah, in 10 years. It's a yeah, lot of responsibility, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of responsibility. So when you look at it from that point of view and, you know, what he was probably going... He was still young. 28 is still really young. People don't... Uh, some people don't won't see it as young, but I still see 28 as young. If I look back, I was 28, what, 12 years ago. Yeah, my mindset 12 years ago to where it is now is completely different. Completely, completely different. Um, I think... My, yeah, probably about 35, 36. That's when I really, you know, I started having conversations with my mom, my dad. Um, I just started, I just let it all rip really and just said to them, you know, this is how I felt growing up. And, you know, they had to, they couldn't change it, but they had to embrace it. It's been a journey. Don't get me wrong. It has been a journey because there's, there's nothing worse than when your kids come and say to you, actually, 
I think that the reason why I can't settle down is because of what I witnessed. <laughs> and, um, it, it, and it's hard saying that to your parents. And it's hard because your parents at the time were doing what they felt was best. You know, I was, I was loved. I was fed. I was watered. I just probably witnessed things within a relationship. And like I said, not just within my household. These are the kind of conversations that at the time I was having within my peer group, yeah? Um, so to me, that became normal practice. It was normal that your dad had more than one woman like that because it wasn't just me. It was me and all of my friends. Do you see what I mean? So it was just a normal practice. And it wasn't until, I'll tell you what happens. I've got to... Um, 30, yeah, 36, I've seen this guy and he, tur- he had one, two, three baby mothers and he turned around and he said to me, I don't know what your problem is, yeah, because that's what you witnessed growing up. Uh-oh. And I looked at him, <laughs> I looked at him and I said, oh, is that what you think? <laughs> and I left. What was I that left. conversation born out of? What? Where would it that was, statement it was, be born Do you know from? what? But well, the thing is, and this is what I learned as well. The more you tell people about you, and sometimes the kind of situations that you've been through, um, and you might just be talking. You're not saying that you're still in that place. You know, you're just saying, look, this is what I've experienced. This is what I've been through. Um, yeah. And he just thought, well, because I'd experienced that, that it was all right. Right? What's your problem? Just put up with it, isn't it? Like yeah, that's you, what you're witness. You can often give but, people information they use against you at some point. Yeah, and um, that's exactly that's what he did. That's exactly what he did, Shelley. Okay, so he he used this information to think that well, she ain't never gonna leave because her mum her mum went through it, and that's what she's used to. And that, but I'd already started my journey in terms of no, I'm not used to that. That's, that's not what I want to be used to. That's not, you know, I try to protect my daughter very much from seeing anything like that. I didn't want my daughter to feel as though that is what an ideal relationship looks like. I didn't want my daughter to witness arguing. And so a lot of me being, you know, staying single and just being, you know, a single parent had a lot to do with my daughter. It had a lot to do with, well, do you know what? I'm going to show her the other way. You can do this by yourself. You don't need the stress and the argument of the man. And if, until I can find somebody that I feel as though, and that's what it was, it was always looking for somebody that I could feel as though I could get on with when really and truly the person I needed to get on with was myself. As a love guru, how is that working out for you personally in, your, in terms of finding love? Well, now it's, um, I wouldn't say that I'm finding love. I found love within myself. Love, you can only you can only attract what you are. That's how I look at it now. Um, so whereas before, my idea of it was very sort of, I'm going to say warped. Yeah, uh, my idea of love was different. 37, granddaughter came. I held her and I loved my daughter when she was born. Don't get me wrong, love. It was an instant love and a connection. But you see, when your, grand, when your grandchild comes, they teach you a different type of love because obviously you're older now, so you're looking at them in a different way. Um, my granddaughter taught me unconditional love and there's a massive difference. And it is, it's really weird because some people see unconditional love and when I've explained it, they will feel that, well, if you love someone unconditionally, that they can take advantage of the fact that you're loving unconditionally. But we can still love unconditionally, but from far. So it doesn't mean that we have to put up with every and anything that somebody does to us. It just means that if we love each person for who they are, yeah, and what they bring to the table and understand that we've all had a life experience, especially for us guys that are, you know, coming up to 40 or that are 40 we've had experiences by now um, and we can't just brush those under the, the table and pretend that they that they haven't happened or that they're not happening um so you have to love the person and embrace them for some of the experiences that they have been through um and that's the importance for me that's what i found that part of me being a love guru is teaching other people to love themselves um and to not be ashamed of their past and to not think that they shouldn't be able to speak about their past because many people won't speak about their past they will just it's something that they will just put in a box and cover over and you know don't want anyone to know that i've been through this or i've been through that but not understanding that it is by speaking and by opening up ourselves that another person will feel safe enough and vulnerable to speak and open up their self as well
what I have found is that quite often people will not open up because of the fear of consequence. Um, and especially depending on what they've been through in life and their experience, you know, taunting at school, you know, parents that say to you, hush man, hush, don't nobody bring this, you know, whatever. And, or, or just they haven't been brought up in an environment where open, free conversation has been easy, conducive and, and um, responded to positively. Um, and I guess that's one of the reasons people don't always open up when they need to, to heal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an ego thing, I think, though. I think that um, the older we get, the less we use our ego. Our ego, well, in some cases, it's not going to be the case for everybody. Um, but I think that your, your ego is designed to protect you. So many people will hide behind that ego, whether it be anger, anxiety, depression. There's so many things that the ego can use to kind of like hold you back, I'm going to say. Um, I think that it is over time, it's for a person that has, like myself, that's really understood what the true meaning of unconditional love is you have to be consistent with it love is not about placing any conditions on anything it's not about even for myself it's not it's not about me placing a condition on what i've seen growing up yeah like i love my mom and dad unconditionally that's that i'm not gonna say well i love you because you did this and i don't love you because you've done that no you we naturally have people within our life that we love unconditionally um so it's teaching everyone that love your family it could be family it could be friends it could be anyone but love them with the least condition that you possibly can yeah do you think you got that unconditional love along your journey from your parents in all the different trials and tribulations you found yourself in did you feel that from them yeah, I definitely had unconditional love for my parents. 100% had unconditional love for my parents. But I didn't understand at the time that it was unconditional love, if that, if that kind of makes sense. So now at 40, what does that look like to you? How is reaching and arriving at 40? Does love, life and all the other things that come with it look like to you now? Peaceful. That is the nutshell of the word. I have never felt so much peace in my life. <laughs> um, I have now got to the stage where I'm not going to say nothing can get to me because we all have times. We do have our times and we do have our moments. Um, there's probably only two people that can push my buttons um, and it still takes a little while for the buttons to be pushed. Um you know, it, it takes a little, I can actually sit and think like, do I need my button pushed today? No, I'm not going to do it today. I don't feel in the mood. Um, and having that, actually, let's give it, I have a prime example. So um, I'm currently working from home at the moment and I needed to drop my daughter um, to the train station. I had an hour to get her to the train station and back. And quite basically, there was traffic on the way. Now... The way my body felt, the level of stress that I felt for the pressure just to get her to the train station and, and back, back to my to house. It. So that I, I'm telling Shelley, I haven't felt that in, I'm going to say two years, two years. I came back, I felt tired, I felt drained and I thought, no, this is why I don't do this no more. This is why I do not want to feel like this anymore. Yeah. That's my journey in terms of going towards working for myself because I don't want anyone telling me that I can only have an hour lunch break. I don't want to have to worry about whether or not I'm going to get back on time for my daughter. I don't want to worry about all of those, those kind of things. I don't want that level of stress. So 40 for me is peaceful. 40 for me, I truly believe that my life is beginning right now. Right now. This is the beginning now. It's a brand new beginning. It's chapter 40. So other than being a teacher, what, what else do you do? So other than being a teacher, I have a Instagram page that I'm building at the moment called NSJ Solutions. Um, on there, I've got blogs. So I write blogs about various different topics, but mainly relationships. Um, yeah, and the different types of relationships that we have. Yeah, so, so tell us a bit about what being a love guru involves. Are you helping people with relationships? Are you giving advice? What, what is a love guru? 
Right, so for me, it's giving advice and it is helping people with relationships. First and foremost, it's helping people to develop the relationship with themselves. Uh, I think that that is one of the most important aspects. I don't believe that we can have relationships with others until we have that relationship with ourselves until we firmly I don't know if you actually ever firmly know who you are because I think that who you are is constantly it can constantly evolve um, as we get older and we experience different things it evolves so who we are can be different this year to who we're going to be next year um, however it's very much about knowing knowing who you are and where you come from and embracing it like this is what I am 100% this is what I am this is my faults this is my flaws these are my good bits you know so it's helping people to understand you know where I start like I've spoken about on here is in your childhood let's go there first let's see the bits that you don't love about there and why you've got to this particular age and you still find that you that you may not love yourself how can we work on you getting you to love yourself a little bit better so for me it's Constantly asking questions that make that other person think about the love that they've got for themselves. Yeah. And just reevaluating what may have happened to them in which they haven't got that kind of love for themselves. So, yeah, it is very much about helping people. I have people drawn to me naturally, but for me, I see it as a life purpose. I see it as, I see that for me, I see love as something that makes the world go round. It's like, this is how we evolve. This is how we grow. Love is peaceful. Love is kind. It's like, so it's me constantly just reminding people that actually we came here in love. In, in some cases, if not most, we were born out of love. Yeah. But our life experiences just, we forget that there's love, you know, because society starts to condition us in terms of what love looks like yeah you know what love should feel like and we've got all these posts that say if you don't do this and you don't do that then you don't love you and they're like no what about you need to learn to love yourself first yeah and it's and it goes for both ways like i said men and women i did give up healing men for a little while I was like, no, I'm not here to heal you guys, man. You've got to heal yourself. Uh, and I started concentrating on women. But now I've realized that, no, actually, that's not love. That's, that's when I was being unconditional. Now my condition is that everybody, man, woman, dog, puss, we've all got to learn to love it. Yeah, we've all got to learn to love ourselves. So, Well, I guess what I was going to say a little bit, sorry to cut you, was uh, about this kind of what we're set up to want for ourselves when actually we're told we need to have the house, the car, the man, the kids, the money, the, the, the business, whatever. But what they don't talk about is actually for these things to work really well, you need to be invested in yourself. You need to be in the right mindset. You need to love yourself. Those things do not come with the whole kind of get all these things and get this picture. It's all very detached, you know? Um, and, and along with that is coming this gradient of age, you know? So you've got to have all these things, yeah, and you've got to be at the right age. And if you're not at the right age and have all these things, then you're unsuccessful, you're unfulfilled, yeah? I think that the thing is as well, though, Shelley, is that what happens is that we run into relationships before we even develop a friendship, yeah. Um, that's what I found, and that's something that I do teach as well. It's like, well, have you had a friendship with this person yet? Have you taken your time? Have you got to know them? You know, all of these things are in important because not everybody that comes into your life is going to have, you're going to have an intimate relationship to, with. Some people are just going to, they may just end up being a really, really good friend. Build that friendship first. That's where the real love comes from. Yeah, if we think of our friends. So say, so say you don't build the friendship. Say you're not build your friendship. You've not got any love with this person, right? Mm, mm. But yeah, this person somehow may be good for you moving forward. Just because if we if we get married without yeah. friendship, without love, but we're working towards our house, we're going to have yeah. better income because there's two of yeah. us. I mean, actually, yeah. we present like a dream couple. And I go, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is that what you're saying is so spot on the money, but quite often that doesn't factor in to what we're told we need to have. Having Getting married is no assumption that you're going to be in love. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. And that's um, what it is. Build, build, build the love. Love is something that, for me anyway, if I ain't pushed it out, then it's going to take time for me to build. Yeah. If I ain't pushed it out, or if I've been pushed out by it, yeah, or someone that's related to it, by it, it's going to take time for me to build. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that rushing into something 
before you've actually taken all the factors into account. <laughs> it's, it's Insta Life. It's quick. It's, insta- it's microwavable. Yeah, it's it's, it's not the long time <laughs> pot roast you've got to cook in the oven. Yeah, yeah. it's instant. <laughs> insta. Yeah. yeah. I remember me. No, do you know what? Just I remember meeting this guy and he said, what do you want? And I said, uh, friendship. I want a friendship. I want to get to know you. He said, nah, I'm not on that, you know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, not on that. I'm not on that. So what, what did he want then? Said, More you just want to skip stages. You can't skip stages. Do you know the line that always kind mm. of really makes me uh, is, let's yeah. just see how it goes, yeah? I'm like, say what now? And, and let's see what how it goes means like, yeah. let's let's do everything without any titles. Yeah. So, well, let's just see how it goes. Situationships. Situationships? It's called a for them business ship. You know what? Yeah, but it's very. Do you know what? That is very true. Shall we coin that? that Let's coin that. Let's coin that. I see a business ship. Um, And you know, but you know what? The thing is, that is what it is. I mean, I I I was talking to my uh, my friend the other day, Mel, and he said to me, Tash, do um do women cheat like men? So I said to, what do you think? Like, what do you think? Because I, I don't know. I don't. I don't cheat. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you know what I mean? And he was very much like, yeah, I think they cheat. And I think that it's very much to do with Instagram. And I said, I don't use my Instagram for them things. So I, I wouldn't know. Like, Instagram, yeah, maybe for other people, they go on there and they look. But I don't use them for them things. I use it to promote love. That's what I use it to do. Yeah. So, and I think that's I mean, what I was trying to say to you just previously, just now, was just yeah. the fact that what you're saying is so necessary and so needed, but society does not promote love in the yeah. way that's needed to fulfill some of the things it's pushing people out there to go and get. You know, love of yourself, love of your mental health, have making sure somebody's in your life who's not going to damage you while you're yeah. in your marriage or your relationship or your children or you know, how your children develop later on because of that situation that's not being coined together properly. You know, that- you know what, though? I don't think anybody can damage you, you know. I actually don't think anyone can damage well, you. Well, I you think just talked about the impact of your, your, your parenting. Oh, but, I think, but I think that, yeah, but when I look back at it, and that's what I'm going to go back, because I don't want it to come across like my parents damaged me. They didn't damage me. They may have... They may have implemented something within me that made me hold back for long enough until I realized what real love was. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't say that I was damaged. I would say that I had experiences that I needed to learn from 100%. Um, but in terms of damage, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if any of us, we can only be damaged if we class ourselves as damaged or for as long as we leave ourselves stuck in a particular energy. Once you've moved past that, you realize that actually you was never damaged. You stayed in the energy for longer than what you needed to stay into. So the damage become sort of like self-sabotaging self-inflicted so we call yeah. it impacted then so you can be impacted, impacted, impacted rather than yeah, damaged but quite quite often with children you'll find parents do create environments that the children are unable to leave essentially so they become mm-hmm. impacted whether it's emotionally um, whether it's yeah. uh, physically whether it's just their yeah. development and they don't yeah, get yeah, to yeah. realize it to what extent yeah. until they're in their own adulthood and reacting some out don't. some of those things that yeah. they've seen in their childhood some people will never actually look back that far or it will be like well this is just the way it's always been or this is what i saw my mum do or this is what i saw my dad do or my you know whoever was within their circle this is what i saw them do it's a skill. It's an absolute skill. And I, I mean, I think we would probably be unfair to expect people to be skilled enough sometimes to be able to, to, to do that off the cuff. You know, I think you yourself are a very reflective person who's looked back, who's spoken to your parents, who, who's done that inside work to, to ensure that you've arrived at 40 in a place that's glorious and ready for more. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. That, like I said, it started. Life has just begun. Oof.
I'm excited. Life begins at 40. And we've been yeah. hearing this more and more from people that we interview that life begins at 40. And some yeah, of the things that are being so. said about 40 to describe 40 is not the truth. Mm. And I think all of us 40s and over 40s have a duty to change the yeah. face of 40. Let people know yeah. 40 is whatever you say it is, whatever yeah. Winnie says it is, whatever I say it is. That's yeah. what 40 is, not what anybody yeah. else tells us. 100%. 100%. And I mean, it. It does take a while. It took a while to sink in. Even when I was like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm forty, you know." <laughs> and it took a, you know, like I, I've never had a problem with those round numbers. But when I got to forty, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I remember my mom turning forty. Like, when did this happen? Yeah, um, you, you know, like one. I, my mom, I, do, I swear, I, I, she went on and on and on about it for the whole year. I do, I embraced it. And um, I've got here, and I get everyone that's just coming in. I'm like, oh, it's not bad in here, you know. Come on, come on. <laughs> I'm like, it's not. If, if this is how, and I'm being deadly serious. I feel because I've said I feel so peaceful. If this is how forty is gonna be, huh, I'm I'm ready. I'm let, more let than fifty ready. reach. Let fifty yeah, reach. Let, <laughs> like, give me a chance. No, give me a chance. I'm just saying it's forty is good. Fifty is gonna be even better. It's gonna be even better. It has to be even better because you know, as I said, I don't. I never did really play to say what I needed to say anyway. But I say it with a little bit more you know, a little bit more of a caring nature now. Um, and I'm, I'm always going to be open. I am always going to be open. No one's ever going to be able to back me into a corner or put me into a box because no matter what, no matter how peaceful I am, I'm always going to come out, yeah, in a peaceful manner, but I'm always going to come out. So, yeah, bring on 40, man. I, I, you know, I'm thankful for every single experience that I have had, um, especially my daughter, because as I've said, my daughter's shaped me. Um, my daughter's the reason that I am the way that I am at 40, quite basically. Um, and, I'm not, probably not, and not yeah. how your teacher said you'd end up? Uh, no, 100% not how my teacher... I mean, everything that I've actually done. I went to uni when my daughter was 11. And I went because I wanted my daughter to go to uni. So I was like, I'm going uni, not for myself. I don't, I don't really care for that. I mean, I've got a degree in early childhood studies. And do I use that degree now? No. But did it serve a purpose? Yes. My daughter went and got her degree. That was the purpose. <laughs> so, that, you know, certain things that I, I've done, I haven't necessarily done for myself. Um, role modeling. Done, yeah. Wanting her to I've have that role model. Role, yeah, just wanting her to have that role model. Why you for her to turn around and say, Mom, you know, I didn't want to go uni, innit? Never mind, you did. Well done. Clap, clap. <laughs> 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 And that's it. Well, well done. So I, I'm quick to brag and be like, my daughter went to uni. Yes, she did. Yes, she, I had her at 16 and she went to uni. Okay. Um, because I think a lot of, I think a lot of, there's a lot of negativity which can surround younger mothers as well. So, and it's the same for know, older mothers. You know, I've got yeah, friends who are mothers. having kids and they're getting the same stick. As a yeah, young woman. Yeah, well, like, well the, given that the average age is between 38 and 45 now, like, it's not that in my day, it was, it was normal to have all my friends that had babies by the time they were 18. Every single one of us. Yeah, we were all pushing prams. So, is, that, is that because of the circle and the demographic and because of where you, you've grown up, what they're exposed to? Is that more likely to have happened because of that? We were just damn rude. No, I'm joking. Um, I think... <laughs> too fast, as my name. Oh, too fast. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I think... I don't... I think that teenage... Um, teenage pregnancies in the 90s was like the boom. They all had a teenage baby clinic. Like, when I went there, it's just me and a whole load of young mums. That, that was it. We wasn't with the older people we was we had our own clinic and we were all in there when we were all under 20 so I think that it was you know you had the baby and you got a flat it was like it went hand in hand so I'm not saying I got my baby to I had my baby to have a flat so I didn't move out when I was 20 but all my friends had moved out quite early so I think you know now girls ain't getting flats as easy so they're not popping out the babies it's not like pop out a baby and get a flat it don't but work to, like to, but to be honest people have been having children young since the beginning of time it's no different now to where my mum or my grandparents whether they were back home whether they were here whether they're african indian whatever people have been having babies of all ages 
for the beginning of time. You know, and I and I think it's it's wrong that sometimes a particular class, color, you know, race of people, females, are deemed as being negative or unlikely mm-hmm. to not prosper because they are yeah. the company they are having children mm-hmm. young. It's happened everywhere mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. the longest time. Uh, I mean, well, I use my story, that then leads into, you know, me being a teacher, I use my story, it's a positive story for me. I left school with not one GCSE. Well, they were GCSEs, but they just weren't the A to C grades that my mum and dad expected me to get. Remember, this lady had told me, this head of year had told me that I was just going to be a mum. So what did I need GCSEs for? Um, so when I stand up in the classroom as a teacher, uh, especially I'm, I'm working with more sort of level threes now, but when I first started, I worked with the challenging, the ones that were like me when I was younger. Um, and I used to always tell them my story. You know, they'd be like, oh, Miss, I ain't got this. And I said, I never have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because the teacher that did it even support me. Yeah, my teacher just told me that you're not going to be, you're not going to be nothing. See, you know, you might as well just go home and lie on your back and carry on having babies. That's how I took it. Yeah. And it wasn't that at all. It wasn't that at all. So I always use my experience. And this is what I mean, whether it be relation, like whether it be what I saw growing up, having my child young, any type of relationship that I've had that I might not have seen as the most positive, um, all of those really have been a positive experience for me, every single one of them, because I'm able to give back to the young people that I work with. And that's how I look at it. It's I've been there, I've done it. I'm almost in my nan's position where I've got that wisdom that I can be sharing. And I'm sharing it not only with my daughter, I'm sharing it with other people's, other people's young youth that we're bringing up. Speaking of that wisdom, looking back, would you have any words of advice for your younger self? What would you tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self, love yourself. Love yourself. Yeah. Um, and everything works out well in the end. Yeah, it's not as bad as what we think it's going to be. Um, it's definitely, you know, when we were younger, every, we overthought everything, didn't we? There's that when you really get older, you're like, really, do I have to think about that? No, I'm going to my bed. Like, and it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, going to my bed, ain't stressing out over that. So, yeah, stress-free, stress-free. That's what I want to tell my younger self. Be stress-free. Uh, and what does the future look like for NSJ? The future looks bright. The future looks like... You know, I don't plan the future, Shelley. I've been telling you this for the longest time I was so right? So what the next, I'm going to say, year looks like is me giving up work and fully-fledged just really pushing for my NSJ solutions. I've got lots of other little things that I want to do um, alongside, like the Instagram's just the, the, the tip of the iceberg. So I've got lots of other little things. But being a businesswoman, that's what NSJ looks like for her 40s that's what it looks like yeah telling that college goodbye (laughs) Um, but I will get there it's a work in progress it's a work in progress and nothing before it's time so where can we find you if we're looking for you on socials you can find me on nsj underscore soul underscore lucians amazing thank you so much NSJ, it's been, do you know what I've been sitting here and I've just thought about back like when I was 16 and, and hearing all those messages of people telling us about how, oh, you shouldn't get pregnant. This is the worst thing that can happen to you. Mm. And to see someone of that era now and to see how mm-hmm. well you're doing and how all of that was an actual lie. I mean, especially after you've got pregnant, it's like, there's not mm-hmm. much you can do now, putting the yeah. fear of God into these poor girls. But to see like you be able to turn yourself your life around and and actually become this success story and have a child and prove and prove them wrong and prove them wrong and, and just go like this to the establishment that's right I'm, I'm doing it anyway it's been an absolute pleasure you brought yeah, so much you. so much lovely energy and positivity um thank you Thank you. And uh, it'd be lovely to talk to you again, actually, Thank guys. You. Wouldn't it be nice to have her back Thank on the you. show? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be back. I'll be back, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Failure at 40.